Welcome to the Winning at Fibromyalgia podcast. This is Dr. Ziegenbein, a board-certified rheumatologist and fibromyalgia patient herself. I tell you how to win at fibromyalgia and stand up to it once and for all. Hello, friends. I am so excited. Welcome to episode number 41 called How Does the Progress? of winning at fibromyalgia look like one year reflections. So before I go on with the episode, I am excited to give you three announcements. I almost can't decide which one of them I'm excited more about. So the first one is that I'm a finalist in several TEDx auditions. TEDx if case you don't know, is a big deal type of event with multiple locations around the world, actually, not just around the country, that is known for presenting new ideas or innovative ideas or new concepts. And I applied to be a speaker at a TEDx event, and I'm a finalist in five of them right now. And what is coming up next week is actually a live audition for one of them. So I'm traveling to New York Beach location, which is in New Hampshire, I believe, that audition speakers in person, or I'm going to pitch my idea in person. So I am sharing it here so that you can wish me luck. And the idea is basically what I'm doing here with you and on this podcast and what I'm about, what I believe in, which is about fibromyalgia being able to manage by ourselves without significant help with medications, although I'm not against medications, but basically believing in neurocircuitry and how our pain pathways are rewirable, how we are able to rewire our pain pathways and how we can help it, how we can do it with minimal help from our providers or from our physicians. And I'm here to change that. So that's the first exciting news. The second is that I am looking for any and all of you who have had any success or who is willing to share your success story with improvement in your life or fibromyalgia pain. It doesn't have to be as a result of working with me. Just basically, if there is a story to share when you had improvement or any win with fibromyalgia, I would love to hear about it and I would love to invite you to my podcast. And the third announcement is that I'm almost done with my course that I created for all of you. I haven't decided on how I'm going to call it. I think it's going to be a bootcamp, winning it for manager bootcamp course, where I'm sharing all the basics of what I summarize in all of my episodes on this podcast and what I talk about on my webinars. I'm going to share it in an online course that you can purchase and do on your own time at your own speed and start working at it. So, and I will be announcing it very soon in the next coming days to weeks. So on to today's episode. So I decided to share about my success or how success is not linear or basically how does success look like? How does it look like when one is winning at fibromyalgia? And of course, today I'm sharing my story, but I think you might benefit from it because I 
I have now had a chance to work with myself with what I believe in for the past year, year and three months, really. And I realized when I was reflecting on it recently on my progress or how far I've come, that I have come far. And I didn't realize it until I started reflecting on it. So how does it look like? How does a success at winning at Fibromyalgia look like to me? So I want to share with you a few things. First of which is that success is not linear. And this one is the hardest for me to accept because I like immediate results or I like immediate gratification, I guess. like I like to see the fruit of my labor or the product of my labor immediately. And I think it's a very human. And I have to remind myself that success is not linear. And sometimes you don't see it until some time has passed. And you can look at the same time, three or six or nine or 12 months ago, and you see that you have actually made progress. So that's number one important thing to remember. Success, as much as we would love to, is not linear. It's up and down, but as long as you're making the trajectories up, it's a success. Number two, the belief. So I talk a lot about believing, and there are two folds of the belief. Number one belief is that I do strongly believe our neural pathways are rewirable, that we are able to rewire them. And the pathways that contribute to pain or that are responsible to pain are able to be rewired to lead to less pain or even no pain. I strongly believe in that because neuroscience has shown that to us and it does take time. The second type of belief, which I was able to recognize more as I reflected on the past year, is that believing in neurocircuitry is great, but also believing that I ultimately will be okay is equally important in the belief part. And I would like to illustrate it by what I described in my previous episode when I described that incident from me going to CrossFit at the end of September and doing push jerk or split jerk and experiencing severe shoulder pain, which a year ago would have sent me into a spin and almost sent me into panic spin this time around too. But I was able to stop myself, pause, take some deep breaths and actively do what I ask my patients and my clients to do, which is stop, pause, breathe, and basically soothe whatever is going on. And a key component of it was that I was going to be okay, no matter what happened. Even if I did have a shoulder injury, a significant shoulder injury, like a tear, which I ended up not having, but I accepted as a possibility and I believed I was going to be okay. And I can tell you now, three weeks later, is that my shoulder is better than ever. I did lay off significant overhead activity. I have been only working with light weights overhead, but I have been doing all of the activities in the gym then as my other CrossFitters, CrossFit goers, and my shoulder is fine. And yesterday, just yesterday, I attempted or I worked on Nedge, a one rep max. I did not even come close to it, but I'm also cognizant of how I need to listen to my body and I was able to do it without pain. So the reason I stopped and didn't proceed to a full 
one rep max snatch to what I did a year ago or year and a half ago was because I was listening to my body. I was without pain and I knew that I didn't feel right to push myself. But the reason I got this far is because three weeks ago when I was experiencing acute pain, I was completely calm and believing that I would be okay. So I did want to say that believing in neurocircuitry being rewirable and believing you will be okay are kind of go hand in hand because you can only get better if you truly believe you can and when you believe that you're going to be ultimately okay. So next item on the success story is the somatic tracking. I almost wish I could call it differently. This somatic tracking was coined by Alan Gordon, Dr. Alan Gordon, who wrote a book, Way Out, which I recommend to everyone. And it literally means, or somatic tracking means attending to your pain or paying attention to your pain in the moment on purpose without judgment and focusing on all the pain and telling your brain that you're safe. And that may be hard to do, And I encourage you to listen to my other episodes on somatic tracking. I believe it's number five or four. And also to read Dr. Alan Gordon's book, Way Out, that describes it more. The hard copy version, it's actually page 72, if you want to know. So I do recommend you you listen to or you review that in detail. But key component of somatic tracking is facing your pain without fear. Basically, that's behind the somatic tracking. And I was going to share with you is that one other part of somatic tracking is to do it without expectations. And I have failed miserably. And I do somatic tracking every single day on my lunch break and also in the evening or at night before bedtime. And I often find myself that I'm hoping that the pain will be less. And as soon as I realize, as soon as I become aware that, yes, I should not be feeling that, or this having an expectation is not very productive, I correct myself without judgment again, and I go back to it. And generally speaking, somatic tracking usually does lead, in my case, to improvement in pain, but not always. And I don't get discouraged. I don't get upset. I basically say there is another day. And because I know that I have already had quote, history, quote, doing somatic tracking, and it usually helps and I feel better. So I don't give up. And that's my message, not giving up and doing your best with it, trying every day for a little bit, doing the things that help, which is facing your pain without fear, believing you're going to be okay, believing you're safe and doing it without any expectations. And 90, more than 90% of the time, there is a shift in the pain and usually decreasing. So the next item I was going to talk about, which again is really hard to do well consistently, is fierce self-compassion. And I want to mention a little bit about that. I mentioned in my previous episodes, I love fierce self-compassion concept by Kristin Neff. I told the story about how I got introduced to it in Empowering Women Physicians coaching program. And the more I do it, the more I realize that fear, self-compassion really is about reminding myself that I'm human. I'm doing the best I can. Sometimes my best is 120% and sometimes my best is 29%. But I'm doing the best I can. I I show up with the best possible face and energy I can. Sometimes it's enough, sometimes it's not. I acknowledge whatever suffering or whatever difficult time I'm going through and I'm talking to myself kindly the way I would talk to my best friend, 
That's what self-compassion is. And also reminding myself that I'm not alone. And let me tell you, I needed a lot of self-compassion over the past several months, especially during the breakup time that I'm now successfully over. I'm happy to report. And, but it's not just over breakup. We face difficult situations every day. I, whether it's at work, when we are feeling stressed, when we are having difficult situation with a coworker or colleague, we get stressed or we face difficult situations in home, no matter how old our children are, there is always some kind of a stressful, potentially stressful situation. And as long as we remind ourselves that we are human, I am human, I'm doing the best I can and give ourselves a break through talking to ourselves kindly, reminding ourselves we are not alone. That's what winning to me is reminding myself that I'm human. I'm doing the best I can. And I reach out being, knowing that we are not alone, knowing that we can reach out for help. As a footnote to fear self-compassion, I would like to comment on the physical areas of self-care that I do as part that, or that I consider being self-compassionate and self-kindness and self-love, but I purposefully don't include them as a requirement for managing a fibromyalgia. But I want to mention it because it's part of self-compassion in my opinion, and that is exercise, nutrition, getting enough sleep, getting enough hydration. These are physical needs of our body that I believe that we believe in self-compassion and self-love. We do our best to give it to ourselves, to eat healthy, to exercise and to sleep enough and to hydrate well. This is just the four main things that I can think of from the top of my head. And I have not been perfect about it, but I get up every day and I do my best. Then it ties back to self-compassion Yes, I eat sugar and I haven't been able to give it up completely, but I try. And some days I have better attempts than others. And I'm not going to be mad at myself or I will be mad, but I will not be mean to myself. And I just realized that maybe today was not the best day. And overall, I'm definitely making progress. I am eating less sweets than I did a year ago. And that makes me happy. And that makes me feel like I am making progress. So I only have two last ones points. And that is mind management and emotional awareness and management. So I want to talk about the mind management. I have to tell you that over the past year, I have been exposed to significant amount of coaching through being part of empowering women physicians, which does make me a very privileged human because coaching currently, I do believe is very expensive. At the same time, I have to say that management of my mind has brought me more peace and satisfaction and success than any other area of my life. I would totally compare the success that I had as a result of coaching to success I had as a result of doing somatic tracking and basically studying neurocircuitry of pain and being fascinated by that. So coaching has, and mind management, In what it means to me is that we can choose how we respond to circumstances. We decide what we want to make of the circumstances. We decide, or speaking for myself, I decide what I want to make it mean for myself, how I want to feel about it, and what I'm going to decide on my next action. And I want to be the first one to say I'm, I 
sometimes suck and managing my own mind because I'm, I tend to be, I should say, I tended to be very reactive. And that's one of the major improvements I have had over the past year. I am now able to do much more pausing between a stimulus and a response. When there is a circumstance that is very stressful, I am now able to put a pause before I respond. And I cannot tell you how huge that is for me because being extremely reactive has gotten me into trouble in my past jobs and it has gotten me into trouble in the current job when I was called rude or harsh or rough or basically too aggressive. And I have acknowledged my trespasses and how my behavior is not becoming of the person I want to be. I have worked very hard on myself and I even have worked with a psychotherapist and I can say without a doubt that coaching and managing of the mind is extremely important and all of us should be open to trying it at least. And some of us are innately good at it. I'm not arguing with that at all, but there is no shame in learning about coaching. And what I specifically I'm talking about is what I just mentioned earlier is that we all have circumstances in our lives that we choose how to respond to. We choose what to think about it. We choose how to feel about them. And then we take an action and that leads to results. And I can talk about it more in my other episodes if there is any interest. For now, for this episode, I want to say that part of my success in improvement of pain has definitely has to be attributed to improve management of my mind and my mindset. And the last was emotional awareness and expression therapy, which I call it awareness therapy, but really I should just call it awareness, emotional awareness and managing emotions, which is very closely related to managing my mind. But I separated them because in my construct about mindset management or mind management that just deals with current circumstances and with the emotional awareness, I view that as ability and willingness to recognize whatever emotion you're feeling and willingness to dig deep and go back to through your memory lane and basically going back to when you think that emotion first surfaced. And I had shared in one of my previous episodes about the breakthrough I had with vaginal pain about how I was able and willing to do the trauma work or healing from trauma by basically going back many years to very painful, both physically and emotionally incident from my childhood when I believe the groundwork, so to speak, or the initial inception of this vaginal pain was laid and I was able to re-script the incident and release that part of me. And I do credit that, that willingness to learn and do this work, emotional work. I do credit that. And I thank that for my resolution or substantial improvement of the vulvar slash vaginal pain with sex. And it is not a hundred percent, but I'm extremely able to modulate it and edit it. And that makes me even more confident in this type of work working and just brings me more data that I need for myself and for my clients. So to summarize, success, when you can say that you're successful at winning at fibromyalgia is number one, when you recognize that success is not linear, 
it doesn't go from zero or from 10 out of 10 pain to zero. It does eventually to improvement. Number two, having strong belief and reminding yourself of the belief in neurocircuitry pain and neurocircuitry being able to rewired, rewirable and believing that you're going to be okay. Number three, doing the somatic tracking, which absolutely helps because it triggers relaxation response and allows you to, and your brain to see that you're facing your pain without fear. Number four, fear self-compassion, which basically means talking to yourself kindly, reminding yourself you're human, reminding yourself there is help available, reminding yourself that you're taking care of yourself, that this is not selfish. Number five, mind management, which means we choose how to think about our circumstances, basically. And number six, willing to do some emotional healing work. And doing these things for me doesn't mean that I'm pain-free all the time, that I was going to mention that at the end, but I'm overall, when I think of my pain and discomfort now, a year and three months after I started doing this work, I'm definitely better and I can control and modulate my pain so much better than I did before. And I feel extremely proud, encouraged. I feel fired up in a way because I want to share that with you. I want to help you feel better. I want to spread the word because humans are capable of rewiring their pain pathways. And that is the bottom line. And I'll talk to you next time. That's it for today. If you love the episode, please share or leave a five-star review. I welcome any feedback or questions, and you can contact me via my website at www.winningatfibromyalgia.com. Till next time.